The Wellness Hub by Karen Kelly. So my guest today is Sarah Pickles, best-selling author and founder of Lilia's Beauty School. So welcome, Sarah, to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So you finally made it then today. We had a miss mishap today yes. with diaries, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> it happens to us all. I'm blaming half term. <laughs> blaming half term. I know they're really mixed up, aren't they? They're different for everybody for some reason. It, it, it throws us all, doesn't it? But it's lovely to see you. And I'm really glad that you've joined us today. And um, how, how was your half term? Do you anything exciting? Um, do you know what? We didn't really. Normally, I'll fill it with lots of days out for the children. But because the half term holidays were different, we saw, and because it fell before Easter, I was, it just didn't sort of, it didn't feel like it was the Easter holidays. It was really strange. Because it was right at the end, wasn't it, when they were going back to yeah. school? It's just bizarre. Why do they do that? It's it's crazy, isn't it? So we just had, we just went on a few walks and just went to a local farm and we just had sort of a few days out as opposed to more than we would normally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we went out, we went to um, to Wales to Landudno for the day. And we thought the traffic would be horrendous and there was nothing on the roads and I couldn't make sense of it. It just didn't make sense. I thought we'd be set off really early. We were there within about an hour and 20 minutes. I thought, oh, it's crazy. <laughs> and then I think because we had Easter weekends, which was lovely, but then one of my children went back on Tuesday and yeah. it just felt so strange. Yeah, it is. They should just put it all together all at once, shouldn't they? All at the same time. Yeah, definitely. So for our listeners, Sarah, just tell us, what it is you do? So I'm a teacher. I have my own um, training academy. So within that academy, I teach nails and makeup. I'm also an author and a mummy to three beautiful children. Well, congratulations on your book, The Shock Factor. So when was it launched and um, how long ago was it presented to the world? So it was launched in 2016. I started writing it in 2014, so it was over two years that I, I, I took two years to write it, but there was a reason for that. And yeah, I, I launched it in 2016. That's really good going two, year, two years. It took me almost 15 to write mine. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good going. Pretty See, good I thought two years was long because I know some people can do it within like six months I to know. a year. So I, I thought two years was a long time. No, I think that's I think that's pretty good. That's really, really good. So we are going to talk in more detail about your book, which is called The Shock Factor, um, because at the moment I know you're you're living the dream. You've got your book out. You've got your online beauty school up and running again. Um, but it's not without a fight. Are you happy to share your journey with us and what led you to write your book? Yes. So in, I think it was, was it the 22nd of September, wasn't it, 2014? And you were diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer so can you tell us about your experience and what is triple negative what does that mean so triple negative is quite common in girls younger younger women so I was 32 at the time but it's to do with the um receptors in your body and it's to do with um so mine was to do with estrogen so it's can the cancer was feeding off any estrogen that was in my body, it feeds off that estrogen. Wow. Um, but 
so yeah but it's it's very it's generally in younger younger women so it was um I had a um, strong family history of breast cancer on both sides of my family so I knew that as I was getting older even though I was only 32 I wanted to I knew there was a test that you could have to see if you were at a high risk and if there was a chance that I would get breast cancer and I wanted to start looking further into that because I wanted to then make the decision I know Angelina Jolie quite a few years ago she she had had a double mastectomy and I wanted to have that choice so I went to my GP to start that process but I think because I was at an age where I could have a mammogram and because of the the family history that I had they sent me for a mammogram straight away and it was then that they found something. I didn't have any lumps. Um, I literally um, couldn't feel anything on the surface. It was all underneath. And it was just in the one breast. But then I went for further tests. I had to go and um, have a biopsy. And then it was after, I'd, oh, sorry, half, after I'd had the mammogram. I don't know whether you've had a mammogram, but when you have yes, a mammogram, yes. they squash your boob. Yes, they do squash your boob. If you can find any, if you can find any. <laughs> Very it's uncomfortable. Quite, it's really yeah, uncomfortable. it's really uncomfortable. So a few days later, I felt a little lump, and I didn't. I thought I just assumed it was probably because my um, my boobs had been in the plates and yes, it's being squashed. squashed so maybe a yeah, blood. Yeah. yeah, it had done something to um to create this little lump in my in my breast. And then it was after I'd had um they they had um, called me back. I got a letter to say being abnormalities but I did get told this can be the case which I have heard of before and it's turned out to be nothing so then they brought me back in and did a biopsy so then I had to wait after I'd had the biopsy for two weeks and it was after those two weeks that that's when I got the diagnosis. I can't believe I didn't know that story Sarah because obviously generally you hear I felt a lump or something was not quite right and they went to get tested so if you'd not gone initially you would be none the wiser so it was your idea you thought no I need to get this checked out yeah and you know no lump no and you know what it is and this is I'm a big believer in your gut instinct is so so powerful and my gut instinct has never let me down so, so far and that was one of the big things that probably saved my life because it was I think if something plays on your mind and you keep thinking about it you've got and to act upon it yeah you? you you've got to act upon it and I think if I hadn't it would have been a completely different story because there was seven tumors in total in the one breast wow so I, was it really painful no I mean the, there are signs that I probably things that I didn't see at the time but then I only found out later on so tiredness is a big one but Obviously, I know you can get tired for many reasons, but tiredness can um, be surrounded by, you know, having cancer. Also, I had pain, which I didn't realise that you could get. I I did have a bit of pain in my breast, but I just didn't associate it with because I was was running at the time. So So it could have been support, stuff like that, tenderness that you thought was a result from that. So you were 32 at the time. And did you have children at the time? I had my daughter Lily she was four so what was going through your mind when you were diagnosed because of course you would think the worst wouldn't you yeah I mean for me because I watched my mum go through it and my mum when she had chemotherapy she she 
didn't cope with it very well it was she had it you know when people get sickness my mum had really bad sickness and she was in bed for a lot of the time in between her treatments so I was 21 when my mum was going through her diagnosis and to watch your mum go through that you you know you never want to go through it yourself yeah so I always remember thinking if they give me bad news the worst thing they could hit me with is saying that I've got to go through chemotherapy treatment and that that is something I had to go through because it was the cancer was so aggressive and there were seven tumors even though even though they were only small the amount of like malignant cells that were in there um they said it was really aggressive so I'm probably lucky that I caused I was lucky to catch it when I did really so you so you had chemotherapy and a double mastectomy was that your choice or did they advise you to have a double mastectomy the double mastectomy was my choice so I had to have the the breast I had um I had cancer in it I had to have that removed that wasn't a choice but I chose to have my second breast removed because I didn't want to have that worry later on that it may come back yeah wow so what was it like for your mum to see then role reversal and watching you go through the same treatment? Yeah, I think it was um, very hard. I mean, as a mum myself, I can only, you know, imagine now having two daughters, what what it would be like to see them go through anything like that. I mean, and because you don't you don't have that control, you're not in control of it. And I think that's what's harder. Yeah. But I believe it probably helped my mum because I was quite positive going through it I tried to get through it I had I mean don't get me wrong there was moments where it was really tough but I tried to make the best of the situation where possible yeah but rather than fall into a state of darkness you really turned it around thought right I'm going to take control of this and uh, you had a a boob voyage party I believe didn't you before you had the operation (laughs) tell us about that I love yes, the sound I of that so I'd heard about it I don't know whether I'd heard about it on this morning or it's been on tv and I thought I'm gonna have one of those I was like that is just such a lovely Brilliant. idea because you know as a woman our boobs are really like important and I breastfed Lily so yeah. for me they'd obviously you know been important for during my pregnancy when I had my baby and you know they're they're part of our our bits aren't they as a woman yeah it's like why not celebrate you know saying bye to my boobs it's a good excuse to get family and friends together and um although I probably shouldn't have it was my last day of chemotherapy when I was having my boob voyage party and my um that was the last because that was the last chemotherapy they struggled to get the the cannula in my um in my veins so it was like six attempts which had never happened before so my chemo got delayed and I was um I was nearly late for my own boo voyage party and <laughs> when I actually told the nurse she was like so um what are you doing when you're finished here and I was like well I'm having a boo voyage party and she was like you having a what oh yeah I think it's fantastic <laughs> absolutely brilliant so yeah. tell us about it where was it held was it home or did you book a venue was it a really big event well I actually had it at the Hollies in one of the cabins oh, wow. yeah, yeah so Hollies. I had it there and um we had a hot tub we had some we we played different games so it was like you normally have pin the tail on the donkey 
we had to pin the nipple on the boob. On the boob. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> oh, I must look at some of those pictures. I bet they're fantastic. So you had a, a boob voyage party. And then, of course, that's when you also started drafting your book, didn't you? Yes. So what I decided after my diagnosis, I had a bit of a light bulb moment. It's I never would never have chose to sort of write a book if someone had asked, had have asked me years and years ago. I would never have, um, I was, I probably would have laughed and said, not a chance. I just would never have seen that for myself. But I wanted to do something to help other women. Um, I wanted to share my my journey of going through breast cancer and create a self-help book to help women. As, because there's nothing out there. You, you get diagnosed and no one gives you a handbook and you know, it's filled with information that's going to help you go through the process and step by step. You've just got to search for it yourself. I mean, it must be, it must, it must be great to write something that other people can really benefit from. To, just to know what to expect, how you're going to feel, you know, every step of the way to have like a, a Bible that you can refer to uh, is, is a wonderful idea, isn't it? Sarah, we're just going to take a short break and we'll be back in a few minutes time. Let me introduce our sponsor, Everything Genetic Limited, specialists in preventative healthcare testing, helping people to identify to see if they are at risk of developing common hereditary cancers and heart conditions. Based in Nantwich, Cheshire, they partner with some of the UK's market-leading laboratories, supplying revolutionary genetic tests to healthcare providers and patients for the detection, diagnosis and treatment planning of cancer, heart disease and other illnesses. One of their main aims is to democratise genetic testing, meaning everyone can take control of their own well-being and healthcare to detect any problems at an early stage, when they are most treatable. They also offer a COVID testing service which is on the government list, initially launched to support clinical partners who were unable to get patients in during the pandemic. This service enables patients to come back into clinics to resume all important cancer testing and is available through over 200 partner companies. They offer a comprehensive range of coronavirus COVID-19 test kits and services for individuals, healthcare providers and employers. For more information, visit their website, everythinggeneticlimited.co.uk. So welcome back. We're talking to Sarah Pickles about her fabulous book, The Shop Factor. So welcome back, Sarah. So we were talking briefly before the break about your wonderful books. Let's go into more detail about it. So you started kind of jotting things down, didn't you? So tell us all about what sort of things you were writing down. So I've... I've wanted to capture the raw sort of emotion within the book so I knew I could only do that when I was probably feeling at my lowest when I'd had my chemotherapy treatment and there was times I just didn't know how to put pen to paper and just didn't want to I just didn't feel like I wanted to you know write anything or I just when especially when I'd first had my treatment because for maybe two or three days one on the stronger drugs I was in bed and I just felt um, very sick but then I knew I needed to do it because I wanted when people read the book I wanted them to be able to read the emotion yeah Yeah. so that was one side of it but I also wanted to fill it with stories positive stories that had happened to me so 
because I think I believe laughter is really important and that's something that helped me get through my treatment and I always tried to make light of things where I could so I shared you know some really funny stories that women when they read it they'll be able to relate to like when I lost my hair out my nose that like you don't realize until you lose the hair from your nose actually what it's got a really important job but you don't know this until think about that you normally think of eyebrows obviously your, your, your hair and your eyebrows but no you never think of, of your no nose. But you, with your nose your nose hair it's like because you don't have any hair there you have no control of what comes out your nose really as in, yes like it literally it's you don't have time like you have to have a tissue to hand because you don't have time to if you feel your nose running or you don't there's nothing there to stop okay. it from so wow, it just literally really falls out your nose that's really interesting isn't it yeah so there's you know I've put funny stories in about you know when I was maybe cooking a meal and then you know something happens and you would fall um, into your food yeah thankfully <laughs> I was only cooking for you know my husband's <laughs> You get two um, points and one find a bogey in that stew. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's so lovely to hear, you know, because you you have to make light of things no matter what, don't you? Because laughter really is the key. Yeah. And like I said before the break, to have some sort of Bible there to guide women to say, you are going to feel like this and it's going to feel like this, but expect this kind of thing. You know, it, I think it's it's fantastic. It really well, is. It's- it's knowing sort of what to say to people as well, because yeah. something that I found, some people some people know what to say, but some people really don't know what to say. And they say things that sometimes I don't know whether they realise what they've said, but I've put things in, you know, what to say to people and what not to say, pe- to, what not to say to people. So the book was also written to help families as well, yeah, to know brilliant. how to to know how to react around their loved ones and from a male perspective. So I asked my husband to write a piece in the book so he could say how he felt and how he dealt with it. So if a lady was reading it, she could maybe pass that part to her husband and say, you know, read this. And Yeah, that, that's really good because sometimes it's a taboo. It can be a taboo subject. So people, some things will come out completely wrong and, and not how it was meant sort of thing because they try to avoid talking about the elephant in the room. But yeah. it's best to just address the elephant in the room. What what were your thoughts on that? What's in the book on that on that subject then? So yeah, for me it was because a lot of people would, you know, I, I, I suppose I was quite open about my, I, I was quite happy to talk about my breast cancer story. So I didn't, I didn't hide anything away. I was quite open with 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 it, and I think that helped make people feel more at ease. But you could tell that there were still some people that, until I made made them feel okay, that it was okay to talk about, about it. Yeah. They just didn't know what to say. And you know, yeah. one of the big things is I don't think people sometimes need to say anything. Sometimes it's an action. Yeah. So you don't have to feel you've got to go into a big deep conversation. Just get, giving the person a hug, yeah, or just doing a nice gesture to know that you're there for them. Like, you know, maybe cooking a meal or you know something that they're going to struggle with because they're not they're not able to do it. And I think as women, we all we want to be super. We we always feel because we're 
we're like super women anyway because of our duties as a mom and a wife and you know juggling our you know our businesses we still feel we have to keep that role even when we're going through something you know it's like cancer. Like natural to us doesn't it we never kind of yeah think that, no matter how bad things are how did you find that was it frustrating because you couldn't fulfill your role at a certain time especially when you were feeling sort of really sick and really exhausted yeah but and more frustrating because you feel like you're completely you've completely lost that control because yeah. you've not you're not only feeling really poorly from from the drugs and the treatments you're also feeling really rubbish because you can't actually you have no control over what you can and can't do sometimes so in those moments you've really got to sort of go look there's nothing I can do I've just got to you know lie in bed or just relax and not do anything just for this time and then once I'm feeling okay then I can get that control back and then that's come back yeah and what was it like for your daughter because of course she'd be very young and wouldn't understand yeah no she didn't understand but again I think it helped her because when I wasn't in bed sick and I was probably you know some women when they have chemotherapy treatment they are poorly they can be poorly for you know quite a lot of time within the month in between their treatments whereas you know where my stronger drugs I was in bed for probably about three days but I, I could get you know get out of bed and have moments where I was feeling you know a little bit okay but then I'd have to go back to bed and for her I think she's got because my husband's positive she had him when I wasn't there yeah. and then when I was there you know I didn't she never ever came to any appointments with us we had um our family and friends helped out looking after and she was in school um a lot of the time and when I I just I showed her my hair when I had it shaved off you know I didn't hide anything because I felt for her it was important that she just saw it in I saw it how it was and I you know and at the time Frozen was a big thing in the movie so there's a song um the the popular song that everybody knows yeah um she loved that song so I remember entertaining her in the bath one day and I was singing I don't care if I've got no hair I just changed the words (laughs) so and then I was pulling my wig off and she 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 thought that was the best thing in the world and I kept doing it and she was giggling and I was like and she always remembers it if you ask her one thing that she remembers that's one of the things that she remembers so it's a happy thing yeah yeah exactly exactly so after treatment you actually told that you couldn't have any more children um and that the cancer treatment had resulted in infertility but what happened next well I started having so before my chemotherapy treatment started they did send me for IVF because I was um, only 32 and I'm, I definitely knew um, I would have liked um, another child if not you know two children so I went for the IVF and when I went there they told me that I was I had like a one percent chance of it working because my egg count was very very low so that this is um, at this point, I hadn't been tested for the genetic gene to find out whether I was, um, which is the test that I was going to have done yeah, before I went for my yeah. mammogram. Yeah. And they said, this is normally um, quite common in, in girls who have um, the BRCA gene. So I, 
I still went ahead with the IVF because I believe I know it's only a 1% chance, but I thought I've got nothing to lose. I'm, you know, I've just been diagnosed with breast cancer. This tell me I've got a 1% chance. I'm willing to take that 1% chance because if I don't, I'll always be wondering what if, you know, what if it had that 1% chance had of worked. And so we decided to go ahead with it as long as it wasn't going to be a detriment to my health by delaying chemotherapy by two weeks. And it wasn't. So that's why we went ahead with it. And they actually got two embryos from IVF, which is unheard of. They said for them to get, you know, two eggs from, I think they only took seven out in total. And then by the time they go through the fertilization process, they normally lose quite a few. And I ended up with two out of that seven. So it was really good. And so then fast forward, I've got the embryos, um, I had the embryos waiting. They're still actually still there at the moment. And I ended up um, going for tests for secondary um, breast cancer because um, with triple negative breast cancer, there's a high risk of secondary. And I was having a few um, aches and pains. And I was, got, because I'm, again, um, quite in tune with my body, I knew something didn't feel right. So I it wasn't right. So I bet you were really worried then that maybe it had returned. Yeah, well, every time I go for a scan, I get anxiety. Yeah. So it's, it, you know, it's going That's through that true. process of going to have the scan. Then you've got to wait for the results. And although you try to not think about it too much, it's really hard. You've just got to put it back to the back of your head and obviously get on with your day-to-day life. But it, it is it is difficult. difficult yeah. So they were they found shadows on my spine. And thankfully, the shadows um, ended up being benign. But I went on to have further tests and it was when I went for, I was going for a CT scan and they do a, um, a pregnancy test. And I was like, yeah, I'm happy to do one, but I definitely know I'm not pregnant. And I just um, told them reasons why I knew I wasn't. And they were like, well, we still have to do it as precaution. I was like, yeah, that's fine. So my husband was actually um, leading a group of people. Um, he was in Peru doing a, a trip to Everest Base Camp. So I was oh, on wow. my own. He wasn't even with me. I was on my own. I was like, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's no problem. And they, the lady took, the nurse took a while to come back in and then she come in with, come back in with somebody. And I still didn't click this time before. She looked like she had a look of worry on her face. And she's like, I don't know how to tell you this, but you're pregnant. And I was oh, like, wow. And I just sat there and I was like, okay. She went, we've done three pregnancy tests. <laughs> so incredible so you were told you were infertile and then to go on to naturally conceive as well that's amazing yeah so and um, obviously I was on my own I didn't know I, I didn't I was just stuck for words because I didn't know what to say I was due to be going over to the Christie for a second um I was going over there in the afternoon to have another um test and that had to be cancelled. So I just went to my Mac Milnes in Leighton Hospital and I was like, I'm pregnant. What do I do? I just didn't know what to do. I was like, <laughs> That's amazing. So had your treatment finished then when you found out you were pregnant or you were still having treatment? No, my treatment had finished. So my treatment finished um, in 2015 and Monty, my little boy, was born in 2017. Right. And then, so I found out I was pregnant in 2016. That's lovely. What a lovely story. And of course, like you said, you've still got two eggs frozen as well that you can use. Well, yes. If I, well, <laughs> probably I won't because I got sterilized. Um, I did end up um, getting sterilized, but I, I don't, we won't 
nothing will happen with them now but which is sad in one way but then yeah. in another I couldn't have wished for anything more to have no, conceived you've got naturally your children now it's, it's yeah. you've got your lovely happy end happy ending but you also featured on Channel 5 News with Olivia Kingsley so tell us about that how did that come about um so the, so what happens is when I found out I was um, pregnant with Monty, um, they were interested in the story because of the shadows on my spine. But then obviously the shadows um, on my spine were they were they were benign tumors. Um, and then I found out I was pregnant um, with my baby boy. So um, they wanted to do a story on the whole um, about the going through cancer and then finding out that I was pregnant with my miracle baby boy that's how that was the headline how oh, what an experience so what was that like for you well I ended up I went um it got featured in the Manchester Evening News first and then from that there was lots you know it went in the sun it went in the Liverpool Echo Chester Chronicle and then I ended up on Channel 5 News and then from there I actually ended up going on Tattoo Fixes as their inspirational story yeah, so I, I saw that. I saw I that. that. And I wondered because well. Tattoo Fixes, I thought literally was. Um, I know there's another program, there's quite a few programs about tattoos now, but I thought Tattoo Fixes were literally changing a tattoo into something else that people didn't want. So, did you have a tattoo? No, and no. this thing, so that's how I, I don't even think I'd watched a little bit of it. I've ne- I never really um, sort of got into it because I'm, I'm, I've never been, believe it or not, I'm not tattoos I'm not really into tattoos I never wanted to have a tattoo and they contacted me and just said would you be interested in being our inspirational story so I was like "Mm, I was thinking about it and I thought it's a way of promoting my book you know yeah yeah. go on and you know I get to mention my book so that was the sort of that was what I was thinking when I when I was thinking about doing it I was like well that was that was what I wanted to do just promote my book really but then the more I thought about it I thought it'd be quite nice to have a tattoo on my foot and that told my story. Is it on the bottom of your foot? It's on the top of my foot on but it's on the left so I had it on the left hand side where, where the cancer was and then I'm very my identity changed after going through treatment because I lost all my hair and I tried uh, my hair cut in different styles before it fell out because it was very long and then when my hair, I completely lost my hair and then it was growing back. It was like just going through a new identity again. So I, I started to, my, my hair come back really curly. I don't know whether you've seen pictures, but it was, it was really like dark and curly. Wow. Is that, the, is that the norm for people that have been through chemotherapy and lost their hair? Yeah. They, they, yeah. They do say that it's, um, it's like the chemo curl. So it, yeah you love it yeah after you've had chemotherapy it can come back really curly and as it got longer and longer the curls started to come out but it was my hair has never been as curly as it was when it first grew back and I was really lucky because my hair grew back really quickly after treatment and I got all my eyelashes all my eyebrows and everything about your nose hair what about your nose hair I definitely got my nose hair back and I was was so relieved no more more little gifts in your shoes and cutting anymore (laughs) funny that is so funny <laughs> so what's the tattoo Sarah what's the tattoo on your foot um so it's a peony flower because I really love peonies and I'm very in, I'm very big into vintage so my I started to have my hair in like victory rolls and have it in different sorts of vintage styles of different eras and then 
vintage dresses. I love regular choice shoes. So I changed my whole image. Not that I look very vintage now, but. <laughs> and um, so the peony represents the sort of change of um, the tran transformation of me going through a different identity. And there's a butterfly on the that sits on the flower. And that's uh, what I believe a woman um, represents when she goes through her um, cancer journey. Because I believe when you're going through your own, everyone's journey is very personal to them. But I believe when you're on that, you go through all the different stages and um, transformation. And there's really hard times, but then you go through this lovely, lovely part where you you sort of grow into this beautiful butterfly because you you're much you know you become stronger and you know you feel you do feel different and it is a positive positive change and it's lovely for you to see that every day isn't it just as a reminder how strong you are and how yeah. life is now so tell us where can we buy this book where can we get the shock factor so you can get it on amazon it is on kindle and paperback wonderful let's also talk briefly about uh, Lilia's beauty school tell us about that before we go so Lilia's beauty school is something that was born in 2016 after going through my um my treatment I've been in, in education for seven years now and I used to teach in two colleges in um sort of one in the Cheshire area and one up in Stoke and Trent and it was only after I'd gone through my treatment that I thought, you know what, I want, I wanted to reduce, reduce my stress levels and I wanted to sort of be in control of my own sort of, be in control of my, my business and just, I had children, so I wanted to be around my children um, more and, you know, have that flexibility. Yeah. So that's when I decided to add, set up my own private teaching school, teaching makeup and nails which um, I started, however, with the surprise um, pregnancies because um, I did have a daughter as well. So I had two miracle babies, not just wow, one. Wow, so you've got a house full <laughs> now. You've got a house full, haven't you? Yeah, so I had another um, miracle baby in 2018. So I've got um, two daughters now and a son. So I had to put my, I had to make the decision to become a stay-at-home stay mum. And that was it was the right decision because I wanted to pour everything into them. And I'm so glad that I did. And we were in a position where I could be, be at home with them. So now I'm just sort of bringing Lilia's back to life. It's been asleep for nearly three years. Sleep so I'm just, yeah. just bringing it back to life now. Wonderful. So if any, of our, if any of our listeners have been through maybe a similar experience or they have any questions or they'd like to get in touch with you, how can they get in, in contact with you? So they can, um, I have a Facebook page called Sarah's Story Beating Breast Cancer One Day at a Time. So they can um, send me a message through there or they can just um, search for me, Sarah Pickles, and send me a message through Facebook. Or they can go to my website, which is www.liliasbeautyschool.co.uk. Fabulous. Oh, it's been such a joy talking to you today, Sarah. You really are an inspiration to many women out there. Congratulations on everything and I wish you all the best for the future. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely. You've been listening to The Wellness Hub, part of the Appetite for Life series by Karen Kelly, sponsored by Everything Genetic Limited. 
If you'd like to be a guest on this show or interested in any sponsorship packages, you can send me an email, let's talk at karenkellypodcasts.co.uk or visit my website, www.karenkellypodcasts.co.uk.